Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories podcast. I'm Rita Pirat, the host with the most inspiring stories that you ever did hear. Back in the day when the day was back, I was known as the juicing queen. I became raw vegan overnight after watching a documentary called Food Matters. Changing what I was putting in and on my body didn't just make me lose weight and have great skin, it gave me mind clarity, more energy, and over time made me so self-aware and intuitive that I vibrate on a higher frequency and level of consciousness that's turned me into a manifesting queen. I've lived like nine lives and have amazing stories to share that may inspire you to finally leave that toxic guy you're with, quit that miserable job you hate, start that business you've been talking about forever, and at the very least, you'll probably start saying yes more often and eat more vegetables. I'm your tell it like you need to hear it and make you do it, sister from another mister. I've lived quite the life and have stories for days that have inspired women to transform their lives in real big ways. So I created this podcast to share my insane and unbelievable stories with the world to reach whoever needs to hear them. I'll bring on inspiring humans to trade stories with me, and I'll even have some live coaching sessions with listeners calling in. You're here because you were meant to find this podcast, this community, these raw stories. There are no coincidences. Everything happens for you, not to you, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Trading Raw Stories podcast, my lovelies. It's Rita, and I am so freaking excited right now. Like, I can't even handle it. I'm here today with an inspiring and extremely educational episode with Dr. Caroline Hartridge. She is a primary care doctor of osteopathic medicine. She's focused on plant-based medicine, and you know that's my jam. She also does talk therapy and medical cannabis with a patient-inspired CBD product line, and she holds the space for healing the mind, body, and spirit using a holistic evidence-based approach. And she even serves on the board of several nonprofits. My favorite part of this whole thing is that we both believe that our health or our manifestation of disease is a direct reflection reflection of what we put in and on our bodies and the environment and the relationships that we experience in life. So I could not be more excited to learn from her. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Caroline Hartridge. So welcome. Can I call you Caroline? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad. This is amazing. So we just connected on Instagram. This is the first time mm-hmm. we're seeing each other face to face on Zoom technically. But I'm so grateful that you're here and I'm excited to learn from you and to have the community learn from you. Um, I know that we're aligned because I don't know how you found me on Instagram, but you you started following me. I'm not sure how long ago. Tell me the story of how you found me, how we connected, and tell us about you. Well, the brilliance of Instagram, you know, following the plant-based community. I think it was probably through vegan recipes, plant-based recipes is how we connected. That's been a really special place for me as I've stepped into private practice and in my own career is I haven't invested really formally in advertising, but um, I do feel like I have a unique frequency and that attracts like-minded individuals. And it just kind of organically grows through connections and, and meeting people and liking things and sharing recipes or lifestyle tips, et cetera. Yeah, that's amazing. So you are vegan? I am. Yeah, I follow a plant-based diet. And then I will also say that I I live a fairly vegan lifestyle as well. And um, when I speak about plant-based nutrition, picking apart those words is is often a topic of discussion. Uh, So I don't know if that's something you guys discussed within your community, but 
certainly there are people who are new to plant-based eating and they feel like they don't want to give up their leather boots or, you know, their handbags or whatever it might be. And you can still reap the benefits of increasing your plant or, you know, fruit and veg intake um, and not embody a vegan outlook or lifestyle. There's a lot of gray space. There's a lot of room in between. So that's very true. I love that you brought that up because I remember there was a post that I shared of a little shopping spree that I had where I'm just this super bargain hunter. And I found these um, shoes that were, I think they were, uh, what was the brand? Ted Baker. And they were like $300 shoes. And I got them for like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And you wrote like, are these vegan? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. They're cute. They're Ted Baker. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. One time I remember I posted a lipstick that I had from Mac that I was really excited about. And I'm, I was hardcore vegan at this time. And someone wrote to me, that's not vegan. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm doing the best that I can. Right. And I'm not eating animals. I think I'm doing okay. If I have a purse or a lipstick or shoes that are not vegan that I had from another lifetime, what am I supposed to do? Throw them away? Right. So I think there's room for interpretation in all this, and we're all trying to refine and level up. I wasn't as raw and unprocessed now as I was when I started. Right. You know, I think uh, people can transition in all sorts of ways, and you're constantly learning more and then incorporating that. So there's no right or wrong here. Um, but yes, in that process over doing plant-based diets since 2015. Mm -hmm. So I'm about five years in. Uh, I have slowly been able to and had the privilege to make more conscious purchases for things that it was time to get a new life. You know, I had investment pieces, it, they were done. It was time to upgrade or replace. Mm -hmm. And so slowly over time, it was able to replace my boots with vegan boots replace my belt with a vegan belt, mm -hmm. replace my briefcase or backpack situation with one that was plant-based. And over time, I got to make those decisions. Um, but I, I believe in sustainability too. So there's no need to buy something new just because, you know, you have this new ethical standard. Right. Um, I got to the point where it felt weird to wear a leather jacket or something like that. Yeah. And at that point, released it to friends I just I couldn't wear that energy anymore mm -hmm. but that that was a refinement too you know I wasn't so sensitive to the energy of things five six years ago yeah absolutely and I'm glad that you brought that up that because I always say on this podcast energy is everything everything is energy everything is energy and that's not woo -woo, that's physics y'all yes yes see so I I love this let's get into it yes. because plant-based nutrition is our jam and the one thing that you and I have in common for sure is that what you eat has a direct impact on your mind, your body, your spirit, your Absolutely. soul, how you feel, the environment around you, everything that you're attracting is is all your energetic vibration. Yeah. And I believe it starts with food. Yep. What you put in and on your body directly connects to the life you are living. Absolutely. I like to think that you would, I don't put things on my body I wouldn't put in your body. And I certainly mm -hmm. know people in skincare who would disagree with that statement. So you do you. Um, mm -hmm. but I like to make sure if I'm putting something on my body that it, it was pure enough to go in my body too. Yeah. Oh my God. Me too. I always say that your skin is your largest organ and what you put on it is getting absorbed as if you're eating it. Absolutely. And I feel different when I eat differently. Yeah. I have different energy. Um, and we do know that food, crystals, wood, everything has a frequency of vibration. Right. And we 
are a frequency and vibration. We have an electromagnetic field. It's from the right-hand rule of physics. If you just draw 90 degrees from your heart, boom, there's your EMF. It's it's not woo-woo, you guys. This is science. <laughs> it's not woo-woo. You heard that? <laughs> <laughs> science. Uh, and for everyone who has access to a computer or their phone while they're listening to this, I encourage you to Google or YouTube the emf of raw living foods versus there's a great picture that's like a, a slice of a tomato or an apple and it's all blue and purple and sparkly and giving off all this beautiful energy and light and they have it next to a cooked tomato slice and then that's next to like a piece of steak wow. and and the energe no energy coming off the steak <laughs> what's coming off the steak there, there's no energy coming off the steak and there's like a little bit of energy coming off the cooked tomato. But mm -hmm. when you get to see it all compared to the raw one, you're like, oh, this is this is where it's at. Yes. And it's funny uh, for the timing of us talking about this is just so amazing because I am on day two of a raw food week. And yep. I don't know if you saw that, but I actually initially when I started on this journey, it was 2010 and I was 100% raw vegan for an entire year. And it was the best high vibrating version of myself that I've ever yeah. been. I remember feeling so good, waking up with so much energy, not needing as much sleep. My skin, I was literally glowing in the mirror. I'm looking at myself just jaw dropping to the sink. Like amazing, amazing because it's literally living food. There's enzymes, nutrients, high vibration, it's energy. You're putting nourishing things in your body. Your body will function the way it's supposed to, if not even more optimally than ever could possibly happen. Yep. We look at calorie density in plant-based nutrition. So you can eat a large volume of this food, this type of food, and have very low calorie intake. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a big giant, you know, those big mixing bowls when you're baking yeah. the big silver metal ones. So I just had one of those and I was mixing together the salad. I've got all these beautiful vegetables in there. So I've got um, some arugula and some baby gem, zucchini, cucumber, tomato, onion, parsley, dill, some sprouts. And I made the dressing from raw ingredients as well. And I just was tossing it up and threw a whole avocado in there. got that big bowl and I just sat my ass on the couch and I'm just scooping it up, the whole thing. And it's so filling that yeah. I had a green juice, I had a kombucha, I had water, I had a banana, and I had that big bowl and I am stuck. Yep. Yeah, you get, you get full, your body gets what you need so you don't have these weird cravings. I mean, it's, it's a really remarkable way of eating. And as you said, what you eat dictates this vessel that your thoughts and your chemistry mm -hmm. all live in and your thoughts also contribute to what i call the neurochemical soup in which you live so the food you're putting into it is contributing to that that gut brain connection is right there mm -hmm. 90 percent of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut yes it is so you're detoxifying and creating inflammation and fighting that in your gut versus nourishing yourself your energy direction is going to be different. You're going to be working towards healing rather than doing what you need to be doing. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that you brought up the gut because the gut, they call it the second brain. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about, about that, teaching the community about the food that they're eating and how that really truly affects their mindset, their vibration, their energy, sure. the way they feel, everything like just yeah. starts with food. I, I think, you know, it's an easy ways into this conversation are probably starting with things uh, that 
that people commonly eat that aren't so great for them, like what dairy does to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, if we want to talk about the, the, the chemical effects of that, um, dairy is really addictive. If you all don't know this, mm-hmm. it primary protein in dairy casein yep. has been explored in multiple animal studies. And one, one I like to the reference China study. study. Well, the China study is amazing. It's a book everybody should, should read or be familiar with. Yes. Um, but they, and they reference this one in the mm-hmm. China study, the, the rats choose casein over heroin. Wow. So it has a dopaminergic effect on the brain. It, it releases dopamine. That's insane. So when people say like, oh, I like my cheese after a long day or I, well, I'm fine, but I think about my ice cream at night. Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> it's like telling a heroin addict they, you know, they have to give it up or they can only do heroin once a week when people want to kind of negotiate with me. Can I, well, can I have ice cream like once a week or cheese once a week? And they say, no, you wouldn't let, you know, your heroin, your, your beloved friend or family member do heroin once a week. You would encourage them to drop the heroin habit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It reminds me of a conversation I just had with my sister. She's quitting. Um, she quit cigarettes. I think she used to smoke cigarettes and she started vaping. And then uh, she's quitting vaping. She's like, can I just like taste, can I just lick the 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 tip of the thing just for the flea? I'm like, no, because that's literally the addiction right there. It's like you're not breaking the chain. Right. There are bamboo, tea tree, and cinnamon flavored uh, toothpicks that mm-hmm. I recommend for patients is that oral replacement for smokers. Uh, and it's really satisfying. It's good oral hygiene. They're sustainable. You oh, know, good. But yeah, that might be something to look into if she's trying to, you know, quit. That's perfect. Thank you for that because she was asking me, "What am I supposed to replace it with?" Because back in the day, when the day was back, I actually quit smoking in, in like 2003 before I went on Vans Warped Turf with the mm-hmm. Truth campaign, the anti-smoking campaign. I don't think they like to be called anti-smoking, but I said it anyway. <laughs> um, but so. I quit smoking and I'm just like a cold turkey type of person. Just like when I decided, you know what? I discovered the documentary Food Matters and I learned about the food system and what dairy does to your body, what meat does to your body, what processed food does to your body and and your mind. And I said, I'm done. That's it. And so eating healthy and working out doesn't mix with a cigarette in your hand. So it was easy to quit. But my sister was asking, like, what do I replace it with? When now you're switching from quitting to this chemical shitstorm in vaping, right. you still have that oral fixation of having the need to move, you know, something from down here to up here to your mouth and back and forth and whatnot. And then the action of smoking, the actual inhaling, the blowing mm-hmm. the smoke out. So what yeah. do you replace it with? So it's a bamboo, you know, pick. And then it comes in like like a tic-tac looking little container. And there's a tea tree flavor, tea tree oil flavor, and then like a cinnamon clove oil flavor. Cool. And I think they're even made by a tea tree brand. And I, I have no affiliation with the brand. I just awesome. really like them. You'll have to send me the link to this. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No. That's cool. Okay. So then we were talking about dairy. So the dairy is bad for your brain mm-hmm. chemistry. It has a dopamine-like effect. And then in terms of, you know, we were all, I was raised to think that milk was part of bone health. Oh yeah. Milk does a body good. (laughs) And if you, if you've been aware of the milk lingo for 10, 20 years, let's say 20, 15 years now, Mm -hmm. you'll know it went from milk does a body good to milk life. Hmm. Because they're not allowed to say that anymore. 
they they were sued by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Wow, look at that. And so the dairy industry was sued by them for their messaging. So was the egg industry. It's now the incredible edible egg, yeah, right? Yeah, I remember the egg, like they, they changed and they're not allowed to say certain things in their marketing yep. pertaining to eggs. Yeah. So that was a bunch of pissed off doctors saying, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't tell people this is good, even though there's a lot of government subsidy here. Their advertising has to be consistent with the evidence. Yeah. So now um, we know that dairy is bad for you. We know that it has a dopamine-like effect. We know the percentage of casein, that primary protein in dairy. Mm-hmm. We know how much of it turns on and off oncogenes, cancer genes. Cancer, yeah. So I, the study the study from the, the China study, the research in there that you're referencing, they said, if I'm not mistaken, that it was 20%. They'd give the, the mice or the rats 20% and then it would turn cancer on. And then they'd t- bring it down to 5% and it would turn cancer off. So you're able to turn it on and off. Right. We know. And we've had this data for 40 to 50 years, people. Yeah. You know, what I thought was really interesting though, is when they compare, so that was the, the case in the animal protein, but when they gave the same samples, a plant-based protein, they could go 30% and they wouldn't change the, the cancer expression. So you could overload Mm. the sample with a plant-based protein and you wouldn't have the same outcome. Mm -hmm. Wow. Look at that. And there's so many things, or I've seen so many studies or people sharing their stories where they have reversed quote unquote irreversible diseases by going plant-based. We know that these are lifestyle diseases. We know that uh, the dairy can contribute to insulin resistance as can a high cholesterol diet. So the fat blocks the circulating blood sugar from getting into the cell, thereby creating insulin resistance. Yeah. So when we reverse that toxic intake, we can actually reverse the state of type 2 diabetes. This has been shown over and over again. I'm so glad you brought this up because the rumor has it that sugar causes diabetes. And I tell people it's not sugar that's causing diabetes. Can you please school us? School us on this. (laughs) So think about your plumbing system in your house and the fat and all that gunk is what's the problem. And that gunk is keeping the sugar that you eat that's now in your bloodstream from actually getting into your cells. So you just have a circulating high blood sugar. And over time, that causes you to have insulin resistance. Your body's not responding to it anymore. Your pancreas still makes insulin. It's not a type one diabetic where they don't actually make insulin. It's mm-hmm. that your body's becoming resistant to your own insulin supply. You're not getting a satiation uh, effect and you just keep eating and you keep raising the blood sugar. And when you have a really high blood sugar, it becomes toxic to the body, specifically nerve cells. That's where you get the peripheral neuropathy. So this is how all of these little things are connected to having a high animal fat diet. Okay, doctor, hang on. What is peripheral neuropathy? What was that? <laughs> what did you say, doc? <laughs> peripheral neuropathy. Have you ever heard or seen diabetics? with like chopped off toes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So when you have really high blood sugar over time, that blood sugar, that high blood sugar is toxic to your nerves. Your nerves don't like it. And the ones that don't like it the most are your peripheral nerves. So your fingers, your toes, your genitalia, especially in the, in the male. Wow. So 
if you want those things to stay tender to touch, then you have to keep your blood sugar low. When the blood sugar is too high, those nerves kind of become numb. Oh my God. And if a diabetic with a numb peripheral nerve on their toes, for example, trips, stubs mm-hmm. their toe and they don't feel it, can easily get an infection, an ingrown toenail, et cetera. And then this leads to needing the amputation. Secondly, it's the high blood sugar is a more favorable environment for pseudomonas, which is a type of bacteria that we see commonly in an uncontrolled diabetic population. So you've got a cut they can't feel with a real sugary bacterial environment, these two things combined lead to rampant cellulitis. And then we have to cut off the infected portion. Oh my gosh. And this is reversible. This is reversible. You hear that guys? So, you know, your aunt, your cousin, your grandma, your mom, someone going through this, it is reversible. And the way, I mean, I cut straight to the point with a lot of my patients. So if I've got a young male population that really doesn't give two fucks about their blood sugar or their cholesterol or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring them and their partner into the conversation and we talk about cholesterol and we talk about blood sugar mm-hmm. and that the cholesterol that clogs their heart doesn't really know the geography of your body. It's not going to choose your heart over your erectile tissue. So if you want mm-hmm. everything to work, for a long time without the assistance of Viagra, then we need to keep your cholesterol low. Wow. Right? So we talked about fingers, toes, and what's another large peripheral nerve collection? The penis. Mm -hmm. So a lot of male poorly controlled diabetics lose some sensation in their penis. Wow. If you want a sensitive penis that can fill up with peripheral blood, then you need to keep your cholesterol and your blood sugar low. And typically by the end of those, you know, that small paragraph, those four sentences I just shared with you, both parties are on board to maintain both of those. And if that's that we need to, you know, get metformin and Lipitor on board, or if we need to be looking at plant-based nutrition as an intervention, um, there are ways to do this that, that will align with their lifestyle goals. I think that we just need to change the marketing from plant-based diet kind of to cater to the guys and say, hey, do you want to have your penis working? <laughs> then and do you want to do well? <laughs> so the game changers, I don't know if you've seen that. On yeah, Netflix. I was actually going to reference that where they did. Yep. The, yeah, they did that study where they have the three guys. I think it's three of them. One of them is eating the uh, veggie burrito. The other is eating a chicken burrito. So they all three have a chicken burrito one night and then they all three have a vegan burrito the next night. Yeah. And they're testing their erection while they're sleeping. So they're testing the size of the erection, the length and the girth. Mm -hmm. And then they're testing the length of erections. And I think one of of the three gentlemen, the most remarkable result was like a 600% increase on the vegan burrito. Insane insane. Do we need any more evidence, you all? We know how to turn off cancer genes and we know how to keep the penis going. Come on. It's so frustrating because all of these organizations that claim to be searching for cures, they piss me off so much because they're the very organizations that are collecting money from the companies that are getting us sick. Yeah, Dannon and the Conan. Mm-hmm. 
breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So those are linked by millions, if not a billion dollars, but definitely on the, yeah. the 50 hundreds of millions. And we know again, that dairy turns on these cancer genes. We didn't finish talking bad about dairy Mm-mm. and that's that we thought it was good for bone health. And we learned in medical school that something acidic as, as dairy is going to leach the calcium and magnesium from your bones to balance its chemistry. So I don't know what we all, you know, like we just hit delete when we, we graduated, but we learned that in biochemistry. And now finally it's back in, in medical application in that um, I had a DEXA scan recently. And so for people who don't know, that's like a bone density scan. Mm -hmm. And um, on the questionnaire prior to the exam, they were looking at risk factors and dairy intake was now listed as a risk factor. Wow. You know, I'm always telling people that milk causes osteoporosis. It leaches calcium from your bones. It does. Exactly. Exactly. I love that you're validating everything that I say because now I know that I'm speaking the truth all these years, guys. Like I don't have a degree. You went to school. You're a medical doctor. Is what? Like you went to school for four years and you did what? Like an additional 200 hours and something else. Tell me about your background. So my background is really actually in environmental education. I wanted to figure out how to bridge environment and medicine. And my first exposure to medicine was in a rural clinic in Peru. And I really liked the idea of helping underserved populations and traveling. Uh, But again, I didn't really understand how to connect environment and health. So that it was a long twisted journey, I think is why I share it. Start (laughs) there. But I did study osteopathic medicine out in California, Northern California and pursued a master's in public health while I was in medical school. Um, I took a year off of medical school to become a Reiki master and then went back into traditional school. And then um, for people who aren't familiar with osteopathic modalities, we spend extra time in medical school learning how to uh, diagnose and treat with our hands using bunch of different techniques. Uh, We can work with bone, soft tissue, fluid, lymphatics, craniosacral, uh, also even uh, energetics or biodynamics. So we can work with the entire organism and uh, we spend, depending on the school, uh, near 300 hours, extra hours in school doing this uh, pursuit of, of medicine. So that's four. So I did four years and then incorporated the two year MPH into those summers. And then um, there's a family medicine residency that's three years long, but I actually left that early to go into private practice. And that's what you're doing now. You have your own practice. And that's what I'm doing now. Wonderful. So I have a private practice based out of New York. um, Offices from Manhattan all the way out to Long Island. And I do house calls. Um, And I offer just a unique, blunt approach to holistic medicine. It's mind, body, spirit, but it's a lot of honest talk. And I try and meet my patients where they're at and then align my recommendations with their desired goal or quality of life. I was literally searching for you today. Do you understand? I was on my computer went to wellmark.com and I'm literally searching for a holistic, naturopathic, homeopathic, somebody who is not just 
going to try to prescribe me a pill for what's wrong or figure out, oh, what are your symptoms? Here's your pill. Like 90, I don't know what the percentage is of doctors that are educated in this country are not even trained in nutrition. I don't even, I don't remember what the percentage is. You probably know. It's not a big part of the curriculum. And I will say that there's, that's just not where allopathic medicine is really focused. Osteopathy certainly wants to get to the root of the cause of disease. So mm. for people who aren't familiar with these words, allopathic medicine is your traditional MD. And allopathy means induce a symptom to treat a symptom, mm. which we're really good at. If you yeah. have high blood pressure, we can induce hypo tension. So if you're hypertensive, we can give you hypotension and kind of balance it out. And we have a bunch of different classes of drugs that can do that. So for certain medical conditions, again, the origin of these one could argue is mostly lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have, we have interesting approaches that work to treat the symptom. But osteopathy grew out of allopathic medicine in the 1800s. There was an MD, his name was uh, Dr. Still, and he lost his wife and children to, med- uh, to disease, to infection. Wow. So he quit medicine. Wow. He kind of had a fuck it moment. Oh, that's kind of what happened to me in 2010 when I had my whole year of raw, just being fully raw. And I don't cheat. Like when I'm in something, right. I'm in it hundred percent. That's with my diet, my lifestyle, relationships, all of it. Um, And so I got this really deep sinus infection. I would bend down and suddenly like the shooting pain would just rush to the front of my forehead and my eyes. And I was like, why is this happening? If I'm eating this way, I shouldn't get sick Mm -hmm. at all in any way, shape or form. This was my solid belief, right? And so when I went and got an MRI and a CAT scan and all these things, oh, you have a sinus infection. Like, really? First of all, why? Second of all, that sucks. And I had this huge bill to pay at the end. And I had that fuck it moment. Like, you know what? Fuck it. And after that whole year, I ended up ordering Domino's and I got these wings and a pizza. I took one bite and spit it out automatically, immediately. Just like, oh, what the hell? It was like taking a spoonful of salt and putting it in my mouth because your taste buds, your palate completely transforms. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. This this fuck it moment for Dr. Still sent him mm-hmm. back to the church. His father was a pastor and he had a lot of time to study and consider spiritual, the spiritual world or his, his own philosophy and sitting outside under a tree, much like a Siddhartha moment, he mm-hmm. had this insight in that if everything around him, he was observing was of the natural world and self-healing why weren't we? Wow. So he went in pursuit of answering that question and started studying anatomy. And the easiest way to do that was to dig up cadavers. So this was very taboo in the 1800s. I'm still stuck on what you just said. Like, I need you to repeat that for everybody. Like if everything on this earth world that he's observing was healing, self-healing and why wouldn't we be world? Why aren't we? Wow. And we are. And we are. When we you are. remove the barrier that's been imposed, whether it's structure or function or emotional or spiritual, then the body has an opportunity to 
maintain homeostasis, to find wellness. The body wants to heal. So our philosophy that we have these tenets that drive us through the curriculum. So we study the same things as an MD. We just look at it a little bit differently. And one is that you are mind, body, spirit, and we can't take those things apart. Two is that structure and function are interrelated. Three is that you're a self-healing entity down to the cellular level, and we know this is homeostasis. And four is that rational treatment will take the previous three statements into consideration. Wow. So that's how we approach medicine. And osteopathy, so we knew allopathic medicine was induce a symptom to treat a symptom. Osteopathy is root of dis-ease. Mm-hmm. I like the way you say that. I've heard that before when you say so, the word disease, yeah, ease. So we're trying to figure out the root cause of what's going on. Mm-hmm. When we can get at the root of it and help undo it. Then your body can heal itself. So yeah. we, we very much believe that the healing is led by the patient. We're here to listen with our hands mm. and it's a dance and you lead and we follow. So when you say dis disease, can you mm-hmm. tell everyone what, how, why you say it that way and what it means? So disease, right? What a disease is not a natural state. It's a state of dis-ease. Ease is your natural state. Your body wants to be in homeostasis. It wants and seeking healing. So when there's a separation or a movement away from that, you're in a state of dis-ease. So we look at the what is the word actually saying. Yeah. And where, where the symptoms are guides you to the root of the problem versus suppressing the symptoms with pills or medicine. And right. Whatnot. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we don't, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, but, um, the, I like to think of pain mm-hmm. as pay attention inside now. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Pay attention inside now. Yeah. So- yeah, absolutely from a talk therapy perspective, but also trauma release work. So helping Mm -hmm. people with PTSD or uh, trauma, you know, whether it's a car accident, some birth trauma, whatever it might be. Yeah. Back to energy real quick, we could take a little detour. You're an energetic being. The rules of physics say that energy that goes into your system must be met with the same amount of energy to be released by the system. So if you've been in a car accident and there's a fuck ton of force that went through your body and you didn't get treated afterwards, you weren't able to get up and shake it off like a dog, right? Like think about how animals release trauma. They do it immediately. Yeah. We don't do that. Right. Right. We, we go, shh, quiet. No, it's okay. We hold people down. Mm, so We don't let you feel the feelings. We, you know, we want to numb it. We want to make it go away. We want to make it okay. But if you can move through it, your body can release that energy and you can get back to that baseline state of health, wellness we were talking about. So in the, the energy work and the PTSD dynamic, if your body is holding on to some of that, then this is a significant energy that is not your baseline state. And when we look at your manifestation of matter from a mathematical perspective, energy becomes significant or insignificant point detractors. 
Okay, so if it's an insignificant point detractor, it's kind of a zero rather than a one. And the zeros in your DNA and your RNA and everybody rolls along like it's supposed to and they make their cells. If you have a significant point detractor, you have a one. And it's energetically frequency is off enough that it's going to alter your expression of physical matter. So wow. this is scar tissue, chronic pain, phantoms you feel uh, that are you know emotional, spiritual that you're carrying around, whatever it might be, mind, body, spirit, mm -hmm. trauma. If you're mm -hmm. if it hasn't been addressed, it's going to manifest as dis-ease. And that's where the symptoms really will tell us the root of what's going on. If we allow you to pay attention inside now, mm. you can begin to describe what you're experiencing. And often that detachment, that description of the process rather than consumption of it, allows you to witness it, respect it, and release it. And you're not stuck in this pattern of trauma that's actually a neurochemical one. It's this, this, if you think about people who come from a traumatic relationship or grew up watching violent relationships, they often will seek a dramatic or violent relationship because that's a common and therefore comfortable neurochemical suit to live yeah. in. Yeah. And that's why people, I'm so glad you talked about this right now, just because I was thinking about relationships and childhood trauma and forgiveness, all these different energies that we store mm -hmm. in our body, or we repeat patterns because it's what's familiar. It's what we recognize from when we yeah. were kids and all of that. Yeah. Everything yeah. is energy. It everything. is. And now that we have these really fancy machines to show us where energy is going in the body. Wow. I like a functional MRI. It's amazing. We can see that the Eastern concept of this mind body connection is true. So when we ask a patient to think of uh, a sad thought or a moment of grief, there's increased glucose uptake in their lungs. Wow. When we ask them to, you know, something fearful, something they're afraid of, we have increased increased glucose uptake in the kidneys where your adrenal glands are. Oh my gosh. So it's able to tell you like if you feel fear where the pain is going to manifest. Where are you going to have increased energy? You're going to have increased metabolic energy. And if that's happening over time, if you harbor a lot of anger in your liver, then you might start to feel a bloatedness on the upper right quadrant. Wow. What about back pain? So back pain, you know, and again, I don't want to disqualify that there's, uh, there's been physical trauma or some sort of accident or that mm -hmm. you have a slip disc or, you know, all of mm -hmm. these can happen in the context of other things, right? That's so we can't, right. we can't immediately jump to energy. We've got to look at imaging and all sorts of other things, do a real physical exam, et cetera. Um, but chronic low back pain when there isn't a traumatic origin can be posture, it can be unprocessed, um, either relationship or personal relation to itself around the pelvis. And then in mind-body paradigm, um, low back pain, pelvic pain is kind of taking in front to back of, of the lower pelvic area, has to do with home relationships. 
Really? When I get more specific um, in the body, the left side is feminine and the right side is masculine. Wow. What about upper back pain? Yeah. So if we go into upper back pain and really shoulder pain, then mm. those are burdens. <gasps> and then if you go into knee pain, these are support systems being removed, kind of being pulled out from under you. If wow. you go into headache, these are questions of thought or choice. And if you go into foot pain, it's questions of action. And again, you can take all of this with a grain of salt. You know, you might just have a hammer toe and it might just really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you're stepping into the wrong part of your life, but I would zoom out your hammer toe and think, that's something that's happened over a long period of time. What, what choices have you made that have aligned with the hammer toe development? And if it's really now such a painful moment that you're seeking change, is there a bigger change you can make in your mm. life that maybe you're not walking down the correct path, right? So like, mm, hammer toe, but yeah, maybe why'd you give yourself a hammer toe? So I even when there's a mm -hmm. real concrete structure function issue going on, I like to believe that we're all right where we're supposed to be right in this moment and that we've manifested this for ourselves. So if yeah. you've got chronic low back pain or a hammer toe or whatever it might be, why'd you make that for yourself? So for me, if I may, yeah. the center, the mid back, especially yesterday was killing me out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And, but my back has been consistently hurting, not really necessarily the lower sometimes, but more often than not. And I see a chiropractor consistently. It's the, it's the mid up top, not necessarily shoulders, but like just dead center of my back, like where your bra strap would be that whole inside underneath the shoulder blades is just, it just kills. And then recently I, I even got scans and everything, the right side of my neck, um, I think it's like C2 or C4, my vertebrae, or there's, there's a whole area of, of super stressed. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it, and then, but the, the right side doesn't hurt. It's the left side that hurts. So my doctor said that it's, it's compensating, I guess, mm -hmm. for the We often the pain. see a compensatory pattern. So mm. people will be sore on the opposite side of the lesion, you know, the, the area that's of concern. Uh, the body is a really interesting interesting dynamic thing. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> and as we're talking about the pain and being mm -hmm. able to distance yourself from it and describe it, um, often, and this is something I learned in, in Reiki too, I think a lot of energy practitioners are familiar with this, asking their client or their patient to imagine that vertebrae pain or the, you know, the muscular comp compensatory pain and put pain aside and think about, okay, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it throbbing? Is it sharp? Does it radiate anywhere? Is it prickly? Does it have a color? Does it have its shape? Am I holding my breath around it? Can I bring breath to it? And as we start to bring an awareness to it um, and kind of relax around it and just let it be rather than, ah, that's pain. I don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. It it tends to really shift in its presence for people. Wow. Especially with those chronic stubborn things where thank God you don't have a slip disc or a, you know, a questionable lesion or something like that. I think it becomes really frustrating for people when they don't have something remarkable and they're looking mm -hmm. for a reason. 
Right. <laughs> and as the physician or a clinician, you know, in the room, I start to think, well, I, I'm really stoked to see this. You don't want to be exciting on radiology. <laughs> Thank God there's nothing here. You don't want to be exciting on radiology. <laughs> uh, so it could be posture. It could be, you know, I don't know your trauma history, your motor vehicle history, your surgical history. There could be so many things linked to it. For some people, it's you know, um, like a diaphragmatic spasm. Sometimes they've had a <gasps> moment in their life and they've never really been able to let it go. And uh, in chiropractic care is great. It might just be finding an additional practitioner to help help work that out of the system. Mm, right. And you know, actually, um, in 2008, when I was on Vans Warp Tour, this doll, I was laying down on the lawn and we just finished setting up our area and whatnot. And this huge dolly comes flying down the hill and just whacks me in my head so hard. Like this massive dolly just straight at the top of my head. And I was carried on a stretcher with a neck brace on and all that. And then in 2012 or 13, when I was student teaching to become a, a teacher in Arizona, I was in a 10-car pileup and I was in a two-seater convertible. So I was rear-ended really hard. And ever since then, I've been seeing a chiropractor, acupuncture, getting massages and things like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where I went to get a deep tissue massage or a Swedish massage or something from this place, Massage Envy. And they did it so deep that apparently it was on the left side. They hurt me so bad that I couldn't turn my head to the left without severe pain. And then for the last couple of years, which by the way, I lived in New York for five years. We didn't talk about that, but we like switched, switched places. I'm in, you're in New York now and I'm in California. <laughs> but um, when I was there, I one day just was not able to lift myself up and out of bed. I physically could not get up. Like you don't realize how much you need your neck to actually move. It's insane. Yeah. So I slid myself off the bed and couldn't even get myself up off the floor. I could not turn my head to the left. I had to sell my, I had a Harley Sportster when I lived in Arizona. I couldn't turn my head to the left. So you can't ride a motorcycle if you can't turn your head to mm -hmm. the, at all. So I sold it, but yeah, I've had all this trauma, physical trauma. And then emotional trauma, obviously from like my childhood or resenting my dad for 10 years. And the moment I remember the moment I forgave him and I said out loud, I release the anger and resentment and hate and all of this from my heart. And I send you love. And I just release that energy. I felt, you know how they say the weight of the world yeah. off of your shoulder. I felt that out of my neck. I believe like just completely light and full of love and just happy. And guess what happened after that? I started to feel after being gone for a whole decade, not living at home for 10 years. I've lived in Arizona and Las Vegas, a tour bus, New York. Like I've been gone a decade. And sometimes I didn't even go back to visit for the holidays. I didn't care. I was gone. New life, separate. Maybe I'll, you know, come see you. <laughs> Maybe I won't. But I, I still FaceTime and talk to my mom every day, but that's another story. Um, but so the reason I'm telling you that is because once I forgave my dad, right, and let that go, mm -hmm. that stored anger, stored resentment, stored hate, and just negative low vibrating energies stored in my body that I'm carrying every day, not only was it emitting from me energetically, where in my conversations or interactions or behavior and whatnot with people, subconsciously was coming from that anger and hate and all that. So then once I re re released it, that right away, I started to think about my mom and my sister and I would just, 
my physical body would react at the thought of them by crying my eyes out uncontrollably. Why was I crying at the thought of my mom and my sister suddenly? It's a lot of emotions to process that you've had pent up for a while. It's just overwhelming emotion for people. Right? And it goes back to 2010 when I started putting the right things in and on my body. And we talked about how um, food is energy, food is vibrating, food is living or dead. And you either put things that nourish you and enhance your mind, enhance your connection to your intuition, enhance your spiritual self. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even be as self-aware as I am. I wouldn't be able to speak about what I'm speaking about if I had never started putting the right things in for the last 10 years. There you go. It's all connected. And it's helped me personally too. Um, I learned about plant-based nutrition my fourth year of medical school. So I wasn't, I wasn't always eating this way. I had an omnivore background and thought that that was sustainable because I was working with a local CSA. And What's a CSA? Uh, like a farm share. Oh, 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 yeah. And my first day of, or second day of medical school, first day of anatomy lab, removed animal tissue from my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's fairly self-explanatory, just working with cadavers made things very clear to me that animal protein was animal protein. Um, So then I was eating eggs and cheese and butter. And I got a fertilized egg a year later in my farm box. Wow. And so I stopped eating eggs. So then I was just butter and cheese. And I thought that was pretty healthy. But I also had, throughout medical school, really bad abdominal and pelvic pain. And that went through mind-body work and ultimately like still wasn't getting better. I had a history of um, a two and a half year C. diff infection that went undiagnosed for a while. So for people who don't know that, it's a bowel infection, Clostridium difficile. And it got to the point where it was, my flora was so imbalanced. I was really just overtaken with like fungus and bacteria and all these things. It was not. Um, So that's actually, I ended up taking time off medical school to get that treated. How did you treat it? Really hardcore antibiotics and liver enzyme support. Um, We considered fecal transplant, but I was able to recover on my own. Wow. Um, And I thought, and I did therapy. I got a divorce. I thought I had really gotten it, the root cause of all of it. And when I went back to medical school, I worked with a professor almost weekly to do like the mind-body integration work to Mm. really release how I was holding on to that trauma and disease. Wow. That being said, we still couldn't get rid of some of my belly pain and I was diagnosed with endometriosis and tried to kind of treat it naturally or any way I could and it wasn't getting better. And at this point, I was a medical cannabis patient in California too Hmm. and waking up hitting resin in the middle of the night in pain, you know, in tears and, and not getting relief. So I signed up for surgery at Stanford and I... I'm the last person to go to the doctor. I had my child at home with a midwife. I use acupuncture and herbs. So elective surgery tells you like how much pain I was in. Right. And this was towards the end of medical school. I had electives. I was just going to kind of cruise my way on out. And one of the electives I did was with Dr. McDougall. So he's one of the um, founding fathers of the plant-based movement in in America for evidence-based plant-based nutrition. Wow! And he does live and wellness programs, 
A lot of physicians come and observe those and train with him. And then he invites medical students to do it for free. So doctors have to pay to be part of the program, but students can do it for free. And you get to stay at the program headquarters, which is a kind of spa and hotel and do the program with the patients and then participate in all of their encounters. That's amazing. It was. And three days in, Rita, three days in, my wife at the time, so divorced, got remarried, was married to a man the first time, married to a woman the second time. She came up with my kid and woke up the next morning. She said, Caroline, you didn't, you didn't have to smoke last night. You slept through the night. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Huh. I, didn't, I didn't even realize because it's so nice to just sleep through the night. So I called Stanford and canceled my surgery that day. Wow. And I have not had that kind of pain since. My periods have normalized. Everything's fine. Um, so for me, plant-based nutrition in 72 hours of honest, clean eating, and I'm talking no salt, no oil, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was a remarkable shift for me. Yeah. So not only is it evidence-based, it personally really shifted my quality of life to the point where I just didn't even want to go back. I didn't miss anything because I felt so much better. Right. I always then, tell people, you have no idea how good you can feel. You have yeah. no clue until you feel it. Like you have no idea. You get used to kind of subpar human experience. Yeah. They're masking all the symptoms. They're masking their fatigue. They're masking their know. headaches. I don't uh, know what a stomach ache feels like. I don't know what a headache feels like. It's, it's almost never that I feel any sort of discomfort. And it's, that's my normal. When I tell people that they're, they're like, wait, are you serious? Yeah. Because of the way that I, I don't put things in my body that disturbs it, you know? And through the plant-based world or, you know, exploring that for over five years now, I've really, so I have a legume allergy. I don't eat any beans or soy. So that's been a fun one to navigate because soy is in everything. So I end up making a lot of my own stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've cut out gluten Mm -hmm. and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that's been for vanity because they flare psoriasis in me and I want Mm -hmm. clear skin. So I'm a woman. Alcohol is literally poison. You know, I don't even want it anymore. When I go out on a date or something, or I'm out with friends or brunch, I don't even want it. I don't even finish the one drink sometimes. Like my body has started. So I think the cleaner you get, the more your body talks to you or the easier it is to hear. Mm-hmm. And gluten was pretty easy to give up because the bloat was the bloat was from gluten. Like I feel so much better not having gluten. And it's processed. It's very processed. Yeah. <clears throat> Alcohol was giving me really bad sinus con- congestion. And I will have seven to 10 sneezes into a few sips of wine now. Wow. My body just does not want it. That's interesting. And then my psoriasis flares. So not only am I getting immediately, Caroline, don't put this in your body. Yeah. As being processed, my skin is, I can feel, you know, it's starting to erupt and itch and I get these little red flaky lesions to remind me that like, Hey, your body's pissed off. Don't put this in. Yeah. 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 I encourage people to look at their symptoms as poorly wrapped gifts. Mm. Your body is a shitty gift wrapper. (laughs) But they're trying to give you gifts. 
Oh, I love it. That's so good. I'm going to make that one of the takeaways for sure. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. This is if you think about, you know, oh, I have so many patients that come in and they lament their allergies or their IBS symptoms or whatever it might be. And it's kind of, if you can look at it as a gift, thank your body for those symptoms because your body's speaking to you so clearly about what it does and does not want. Yeah. And everybody is different. And you and if you're honest with yourself, you probably know what it is your body does and does not want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, patients tend to know what makes them feel worse. Yeah, that's I can definitely attest to that because this past uh, past couple of weeks, maybe the last month, I have not been taking the best care of myself, and so I am now. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little congested. And I never, ever get sick, Carol. I never, never, I never get headaches. I never get stomach aches. My period comes and goes and I'm like, oh yeah, I just had my period. Like it's not a thing. My period is not a disturbance in any way. It's not too heavy. I don't get cramps, nothing. It's almost like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. I had, you know, like, oh yeah, I forgot I have my period. Like, and this past week, um, before I started this raw food week of mine, I really felt like I need to go back to basics. I need to put just real, natural, human food from the earth, earth, vibrating with energy, vibrating with just life, right? I need to nourish myself. I need to practice what I've been preaching forever because I've been kind of just like, whatever. And and now, and and I still haven't eaten meat or, you know, I I started to have some eggs. Mm -hmm. My face broke out immediately immediately from having eggs. Okay. Just this past week. And my stomach was so bloated. I looked like I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm not sleeping well at all. I cannot sleep. Well, there's enough growth hormone in an egg to grow a baby chicken without external input for 30 days. Yeah. That's crazy. And what are we doing putting that in our bodies? And, and not only one, but normally eggs are consumed in two to three a serving. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? That's a lot. And that's not yeah. that we gave the chicken growth hormone. That's, that's just in the egg. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point of the egg. You know what I want to know, Carolyn? What sick fuck went up to a cow and just like decided, oh, let, look at this coming out of the teat. Let me drink it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was the sick fuck or if the sick fuck was the person that not didn't fist the cow shouldered the cow to inseminate it oh my god (laughs) that's how they're inseminated oh my god are you serious i didn't even know that so they have to jack off the bull collect the semen and then artificially inseminate the female so that she will make a calf so that, that she will make milk so that the dairy industry can exist this is just crazy. <laughs> I love talking to you. I feel like I need to have you back on so we can do a part two. I'd love to know if you have three things that you want to leave people with that they could do if they're interested or intrigued or like, where do I start? What do I do? Just maybe three things that they could take away that they could start today to change their lives energetically and their diet and their lives in general, three simple things that they could take away. I would say number one, eat more raw fruits and vegetables. If that's apple, carrot sticks, um, 
you know, dried fruit, whatever you need to be doing. But if you can add that to every meal, make a whole meal around it, just increase your intake. You don't have to go totally vegan. You don't have to go raw. The evidence is still in your favor if you increase your fruit and vegetable intake. So that's dietary fiber. Good. Okay. It's alive. That's easy to do that. Shortcut your way in into that and do high efficacy foods. Sprouts are it. Sprouts are their own superfood. Yeah. Those first two leaves, for example, in a broccoli sprout contain more calcium than the entire head of broccoli. So eat more raw fruits and veg, get your sprouts on. The second thing you can do right now that's free is to start an awareness practice. So become an auditor of your mental landscape. And within that, I invite you to see or listen to all the voices that are present. Not that you're schizophrenic or multiple personality, but that there are just maybe a few voices speaking. And to whom do they belong? And do they belong Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. And if they're not paying rent, do they need to get the fuck out? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You're not criticizing yourself. You're not judging yourself. You're saying hello to your anxiety. You're saying hello to your depression. You're saying hello to your ego. Everyone's allowed to have a seat at the table, but they don't get to drive the car. Mm. and mom needs to go home coach Susie from middle school needs to go away you know whatever Mm. other voices are in there yeah that you're not paying to be there your therapist Mm. you know they need to go yeah and when you become aware of your thoughts you become responsible for your responses. You're no longer reacting, you're responding. And that gives room for grace and gratitude. And when you have more thoughts that are joyful, grateful, positive. You raise your vibration. You change your energetic frequency and you change that neurochemical soup in which you live. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. Oh, I love that so much. Oh my goodness. So good. So good. What's number three? Uh, Number three, I would bring you back to something that's free is linked to how you want to spend your dollar. So your dollar is a reflection of your energy, right? That's your dollar is the time you spent working, the time you spent away from your loved ones. So as you choose to spend your money, you're deciding where you want to focus your energy. This can also be an expression of your core value set. So is how you are spending your money an honest or true reflection of your core values? And that's an opportunity to vote every single day with your dollar Mm -hmm. because you can support an economy or a community that has similar core values as yourself. And you can really amplify the power of your dollar and your energy. Yeah. I've heard the whole voting with your dollar, but I didn't connect that to 
the energy of the time I spent earning that dollar and is it matching that 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 really little light bulb went on for me there yeah I love this this has been so amazing I'm so grateful that we connected and that we had this conversation today I really am so grateful you're sharing all of this this wisdom that's like beyond what I could have shared and your experience and your education and your background and all of this. I would love to have you back on another time. This has been such a joy. It would be my pleasure. We could get into the actual, the stories around ego death. Cause I think we just kind of got to know each other yeah. and, and hear each other's background, but I would love to share with you and your audience um, some more specific and poignant moments with my patients and with plant medicine uh, that have shifted how I work within the professional community and how I present myself kind of lettering, letting some of that compartmentalization dissolve. Oh my gosh. Can we just get a little sentence or two about ego death as a teaser for the next episode that we're going to do together? Sure. (laughs) I I'll start with the first one. I can really reflect back on in my medicine career. I think a lot of us have this imposter syndrome where we work really hard to earn our spot and we think that someone's going to figure out that we're not really supposed to be there. (laughs) I can relate. Even though I took the boards, no one took the boards for me. You know, I, I got glowing recommendations on my rotations. Nobody else was in there. It was me, but still part of you is telling you you're not worthy. You're not supposed to be here. Not good enough. Yeah. So I translated and projected that onto my deepest insecurities, which would be, what if they knew I was a cannabis patient in California? And what if they knew I loved and respected this plant more than anything? What if they knew that I knew that our patient smelled like that and that how I got to his dirty bong water diagnosis and how we figured out what was in his lungs in the first place? Like, what if they actually knew? And so I just kind of kept it all neat and tidy and compartmentalized. And I just happened to know a lot about certain things, but I wouldn't really share why or, or bring in the evidence behind it. And when I went into private practice, I was still pretty aware of and, and seeking that approval within my community because I was doing something non, you know, unconventional. I left the hospital early and went into private practice. Yeah. And so I wanted to be respected by, by these people who had trained me. I wanted to have a positive referral network. And I had some patients that had actually left the hospital and followed me into private practice. Wow. And one of them had graduated from hospice twice. And she, in that graduation, had detoxed off all of her drugs, but still had all of her symptoms. <gasps> She still had anxiety. She still had chronic pain. She still had all these issues, but we had gotten her off all the drugs because they were affecting her ability to breathe. And we're talking like a 90 pound teeny little thing contracted in a bed. And I went into private practice in October. And by January of that year, chronic pain became an acceptable condition for medical cannabis. So I was doing house calls for this woman because she wasn't, she was bed bound and oxygen dependent. And I said, and I knew her well enough to know how she felt about cannabis. She had, she had some really strong views that this was not medicine. And so I sat down on her bed and offered if she would do something uncomfortable, I would do something uncomfortable. 
So if she would try the cannabis medicine, I would get certified and do something that I was pretty uncomfortable with in terms of how it was going to be perceived. What was my reputation going to look like professionally? So it was a fuck it moment. <laughs> fuck it moment. And, I love it. <laughs> um, and then I guess that'll be the teaser. We can go into the details when we talk again about how I got to see medicine work immediately for her. I'll tell you all why she didn't think it was medicine and, and how she had an immediate moment of forgiveness and compassion. And how with that ego death, I took a step into a world I really didn't think I would ever be part of and came out of the cannabis closet and started going to community events, speaking as an expert, sharing that, you know what, I do know a lot about cannabis because I really do love this plant and I've been a patient of it for some time and now I prescribe it. And here's all the ways it has a better risk to benefit profile than other things I prescribe. Wow. Um, and it's changed my life and my career. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this next episode we're going to record together. This has been so, 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 so just filling my heart, filling my soul, filling my spirit, your energy, your vibe, your everything. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom and your knowledge and your everything, your vibe. I love it. I'm so, so, so grateful. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to more. Wow, that was so much fun. Oh my gosh, I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned a lot. I can't wait to have her back. I'm going to link all her information on the show notes on how you can connect with her. But for right now, I've got some takeaways for you. Number one, you can increase your fruit and veg intake and not embody a vegan outlook or lifestyle. Just find your own gray space and do what works for you. Number two, the food you're putting into your body dictates the vessel that your thoughts and your chemistry all live in. And 90% of the serotonin in your body is made in your gut. Number three, the primary protein in dairies is addictive as heroin and is linked to causing cancer. Please stop eating it. Number four, if everything in the natural world that we're observing is self-healing, why aren't we? Number five, pain means pay attention inside now. Your body is a shitty gift wrapper. Your symptoms are messages telling you what it does and does not want, so pay attention. Number six, increase your intake of raw fruits and vegetables in every meal. Sprouts are a superfood. Number seven, start an awareness practice. Become an auditor of your mental landscape and become aware of your thoughts to stop reacting and allow space for grace and gratitude. Number eight, become conscious of how you're voting with your dollar. You have more power than you know. Number nine, your ego is preventing you from embracing your gifts and how you're meant to show up in this world. So tune in next time when I have Dr. Caroline Hartridge on to learn about the ego death. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I had so much fun. I hope you learned something. If you did, I'd love to know what it was. Tell me by leaving a review or come hang out with us in the Facebook group or DM me on Instagram at rawveganrita and Trading Raw Stories. And I'll link everything in the show notes, including Caroline's information on where you can find her and connect with her. And I do have a small favor to ask. Would you please share this episode with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from it? Let's freaking heal the world together. I love you. Thank you so much for being here with me. Bye.